VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And friends, thank you for joining us on Crosstalk here on VCY America. Troubling times in which we live, and there's been a whole lot of developments that have happened just within the last uh, day or two. And uh, as it pertains to COVID and uh, all of a sudden an announcement from the White House that they're going to be terminating the national emergency. And so it's an interesting time that is going on right now across this nation. Yesterday, the White House announced that President Joe Biden intends to end the COVID-19 national and public health emergencies. Not today, not retroactive to September 18th, 2022, when he said on 60 Minutes that the pandemic is over. But over three months from now, May 11th, 2023, why then? Well, you may not be aware of this, but there are various bills making their way through Congress right now that have a lot, put a lot of uh, congressmen in an awkward position. This may have prompted the action. And are you aware that even though Bill Gates admitted that COVID shots don't prevent infection and protect vulnerable groups, that the FDA is pushing annual COVID boosters? We're going to get into this and so much more to unpack today. We welcome back Twyla Braze, the president and co-founder of Citizens Council for Health Freedom. Twyla is a registered nurse, a certified public health nurse, author of the eight-time award-winning book, Big Brother in the Exam Room, The Dangerous Truth About uh, Electronic Health Records. She's a speaker in the Daily Health Freedom Minute, heard on stations across the nation. Additionally, her efforts have led to a national law requiring parent consent for research using newborn DNA, a national campaign exposing HIPAA as a data-sharing rule, an online nationwide directory of direct pay practices, the Wedge of Health, Freedom, and the Patient Toolbox, designed to help patients understand their options in coercive situations and maintain control over their treatment decisions. Twyla, welcome back here to Crosstalk. I'm so glad to be here, Jim. Thank you. Twyla, were you surprised by the announcement from the White House yesterday that the public health emergency would come to an end on May the 11th? Well, I guess I was surprised when I saw it, but not really surprised about it. Because, you know, now that the elections took place and the Republicans are in charge of the House, they are clamoring for the end of the uh, emergency declarations. And so I think Biden wants to claim, you know, to be the one who ended it all. Uh, rather than letting the Republicans actually force his hand. But I really think this is kind of a forcing of his hand, even though he mm-hmm. wouldn't say it that way. Any significance to May 11th? I mean, this is a full eight months after he went on 60 Minutes saying the pandemic is over. Well, the 11th has to do with, um, because they're doing it three months at a time, three months at a time, three months at a time. And so the last three months at a time was April 11th. And so now they just extended it one more month. So I think this is just about, you know, month by month by month. So that's why the 11th. Hmm. Well, Twyla, you've been tracking some legislation in the House of Representatives. You referred to that just a bit ago. So let's talk about what's out up there. And maybe this has forced his hand. For instance, there is H.R. 382, the Pandemic is Over Act. Yeah, that that's kind of fun. I like it when they've got, you know, some great... Names And that's really a name to just talk, to use his own words, you know, and say, we, the, the Congress, are going to take the president at his own words and, you know, force the entire public health emergency to be terminated. And they say that on the, on the date of the enactment of this act, right? So, therefore, he's going ahead and saying, well, the day I'm actually going to do it is May 11th. Very interesting. So uh, now that's supposed to have a vote this week. Will that vote still take place? My guess is that the vote will definitely still take place. You know, the likelihood of anything happening to it in the Senate is unlikely. But see, that's the wonderful thing about having the House now be of a different party is the House has the purse strings. You know, the House has uh, the House can stop most things coming out of the Senate. And so the House can pressure and push 
the administration in ways that it needs to be pressured and pushed. Again, folks, that's H.R. 382, the Pandemic is Over Act. Uh, there's another piece of legislation, H.R. 497, the Freedom for Healthcare Workers Act. Tell us about it, Twyla. Yes, well, this is removing the vaccine mandate on healthcare workers around the country. And so the Biden administration has held on to, absolutely clung to this mandate that they created to say as a condition of participation in Medicare and federal programs, all health care providers and workers have to be vaccinated or otherwise terminated unless they, you know, meet an exemption, right, which are hard to get. And so what this says, and it's actually the Freedom for Healthcare Workers Act, is this would completely eliminate that mandate. It would let workers go back to their jobs. It would let hospitals be more fully staffed. It would, you know, not threaten healthcare workers with having to take an, uh, an experimental jab that has shown that, you know, for some people, some people it doesn't seem to be a problem, at least not yet, but for other people, it's definitely uh, caused them to have long-term uh, reactions. You know, what's interesting about this is the fact that, I mean, I, everywhere you look, they're talking about healthcare workers shortage, a nursing shortage, and the long hours, the double shifts, patients are at risk. And yet when, when, uh, when uh, you know, governors like Governor Hochul of, of New York has been approached about putting back into their positions all the nurses that you've let go because that they would not take the shot, they're digging their heels in the, in, in the dirt here and saying, no, we're not going to do that. I mean... It is how outrageous do they want to get? I think what it shows is that they are politicians and they are not a healthcare workers. They're not a nurse. They're not a doctor. They're not a, a respiratory therapist. They're not ever people that take care of patients. So the fact of the matter, the truth of the matter is most of the American people understand by now that the vaccinations or the injections are not going to give them protection against COVID-19. They understand it's not going to stop the transmission. They're, the American people are figuring, that, figuring this out, and yet patients are suffering in the hospital from lack of staff. They maybe can't get their operation in time. You know, they're, they're having to wait five weeks for their surgery instead of two weeks, you know, whatever it is, right? But clearly the governor could care less. Now, the interesting thing about New York, however, is that New York, the Supreme Court of New York, actually ruled an end to the mandate for healthcare workers. And so that was just recent. So, you know, the workers in, uh, in uh, New York are free from this and free to go back. But a lot of, you know, it's sort of interesting. The other thing is that a lot of healthcare workers that didn't want to take this experimental jab, they left the state. You know, they may never come back. And, you know, they went to somewhere where they had freedom, and it wasn't in New York. Here is what she said. As a matter of fact, last Tuesday, she was contacted by the media about rehiring unvaccinated workers, and she said it's not the right answer. She said, I don't think the answer to have someone who comes in who's sick be exposed to someone who can give them COVID-19. I don't know if that's the right answer, but I'm pretty sure it's not. Is it, <laughs> that, that, she's, yeah. Go ahead, your comment. <laughs> She does not know what she is talking about, right? Because because there are people who have gotten they've gotten several injections. And as a matter of fact, there's a, there's two studies out: one from Cleveland Clinic, one from uh, two medical school and universities in Indiana, and they both say the same thing. They say that the more shots you get, the greater the risk of getting infected with COVID nineteen. This is the Cleveland Clinic. These are medical school, universities, medical schools. They agree that for some reason, the more shots you're getting, the higher your risk of COVID-19. Has she not gotten that information? Is she still stuck back in, I don't know, 2020 when they thought this was going to be a miracle, right? Uh, I don't know, but she's, she's wrong. Um, folks, again, that was H.R. 497, the Freedom for Healthcare Workers Act. And uh, yes, there is a, a shortage of healthcare workers, a shortage of nurses, a shortage of doctors. And uh, yet we have states like New York that will not hire back individuals that they terminated for not taking the experimental shot. Uh, you can reach out to your member of Congress in the House of Representatives at 202 
225 3121. We're going to talk about a few more pieces of legislation, though. One of these is H.R. 139, H.R. 139. It's called the Stopping Home Office Works Unproductive Problems Act of 2023, otherwise known as the Show Up Act of 2023. Interesting title there, Twyla. I love that title. And really what it is saying is that so many government workers are now at home. They're, they're working remotely, um, and there's just a general sense of the, of the matter that there's probably a whole lot of unproductivity going on, uh, as well as a lot of wasted space and energy in the government buildings. And so this is a bill that um, would not allow the expansion of any uh, telework policies and practices, and it's really about calling them back to work back to staying, uh, coming back to the government agencies and working in their own offices where they can be, you know, under supervision, where the performance can be up to the standards that it was before and where they don't have to be um, paying any extra costs about for remote workers, right? Have them back in with the government property. That again, folks, H.R. 139 and uh, certainly productivity, and not true for all, but uh, it's happening in many a company, many a corporation, and many government jobs in which productivity is at an all-time low. And uh, this would uh, put the uh, stopping the home office work and uh, back into uh, back, uh, well, showing up at work. Uh, there's also H.J. Res, House Joint Resolution 7, that relates to a national emergency declared by the president March 13th of 2020. Yes, and this is just, you know, a joint resolution. It's very, very simple. It's just saying that um, according to this um, national emergency declared by the president, uh, it is hereby terminated. So it's just another way of doing what the other bill said that we were talking about. This one is a resolution rather than mm-hmm. a regular piece of, of legislation. There's one other re- resolution. It's House Concurrent Resolution 9 that denounces the horrors of socialism. Twyla, what's the connection with what we've seen over the last couple of years and socialism? Well, as they say in the very beginning, that socialist ideology nece- necessitates a concentration of power that that collapses into regimes, totalitarian rule, and brutal dictatorship. So, there is that kind of socialism which is happening like and has happened, you know, under Stalin or under Pol Pot or, you know, um, Mao Zedong in or what's even happening today, you know, in China under um, oh, what's his name? <laughs> the head of China. Um, so oh, Xi, Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping. There we yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you, you even have all the Uyghurs, right? They're being captured. They're being, their organs are being taken from them. Sometimes when they're still living, you know, it's across history. Socialism has been a terrible, terrible thing for the people. It has killed millions and millions and millions of people. This whole idea of we're all in it together. We'll all share things equal. It, it never happens. And so it's interesting to see this resolution. It has a lot of signers. House Concurrent Resolution 9, again, it denounces the horrors of socialism. Well, friends, there's much more to say here, and we'll come back with more information, with an update on the COVID shot, what's going on with doctors, and even a statement from Bill Gates back in a minute here on Crosstalk. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, what are comets made of? Chris, comets are sometimes referred to as dirty snowballs. They're mainly ice, but with a lot of solid particles mixed in. As a comet goes around the sun, the solar heat and solar wind vaporize part of the comet, and we see the tail as those particles are stripped away. Now we find that sometimes not only is the tail stripped away, but sometimes the head is lopped off, speeding up the comet's disintegration. Obviously, comets can't last too long. Thus, they are a strong sign of a recently created universe. The Bible refers to these comets as wandering stars that don't follow the standard motion of the stars or the planets. They were created on day four of creation week, back in Genesis. 
To learn more about creation, get our free DVD called That's a Fact. Visit our web store at icr.org store and use the promo code FACT at the checkout when ordering your That's a Fact DVD. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Twyla Braze is with us today, co-founder of Citizens Council for Health Freedom. Their website, cchfreedom.org, cchfreedom.org. Really a gateway to so many things that the Citizens Council for Health Freedom is doing. Uh, Twyla, uh, this uh, this announcement coming from the White House, basically, about the the uh, end of the pandemic coming up on May the 11th. We understand that uh, that puts in place a whole new set of uh, rules and guidelines and so forth, and that the government's going to stop paying for, what, COVID treatments and shots and so forth? Yeah, there's a whole plethora of things that will happen that have been put into place. Some of them I know that Congress is wanting to keep in place, like access to telehealth, because a lot of people have actually used that. And as you probably know, a lot of people who looked for care for COVID-19, real care, either for the acute virus or for long COVID, they, the only place that they could find a doctor was through telehealth. Um, so that's, that's one of the things that might go away, particularly in the Medicare area, if they don't uh, keep it going. Um, another thing has to do with they have allowed all sorts of people, millions, uh, they say around 15 to 17 million people to be enrolled in Medicare who are not eligible. So this is on our taxpayer dollar, and they've allowed the, all of these people to be enrolled and to stay enrolled. And uh, as soon as this goes away, um, all of that will come to an end. And so there are people who are so concerned that all of these people will be dropped. But the fact of the matter is they aren't eligible. They've never been eligible to have access to our, uh, well, maybe they were in the beginning, but they aren't anymore. Mm-hmm. Not been eligible to have access to all of our taxpayer dollars, you know, to get uh, coverage when they should be paying for it on their own. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's the emergency use authorizations, they go away. So a lot of people don't understand that the emergency use authorization is not only on the injections, it's also on the mask. It's on a, a variety of other things, um, that they got emergency use author- authorization. So they didn't have to do what normally they would have to do to pass muster. So there's a whole variety of things. Well, I understand that the Epic Times recently wrote about you in uh, desiring to replace what's called conveyor belt medicine. Tell us about it. Yes, it was kind of fun to be able to get to uh, have this interview. And so this is about the Wedge of Health Freedom. And the Wedge of Health Freedom is a national online directory of cash-based practices. It does not take the place of insurance, and as a matter of fact, Part of our goal uh, is to bring back real indemnity insurance that pays you, the patient, and then you get to choose your doctor, choose your hospital, and pay them. That's how this used to work. So we're starting with the Wedge, which is a directory of cash-based practices. We've already got four cash-based pharmacies. Uh, we've got like five cash-based dentists. We got a we had several hundred doctors in both specialists and in family practice around the country. And, you know, our goal is um, laboratories, radiology facilities, and eventually hospitals. And the interesting thing about, so we're calling this whole movement um, the new framework for health freedom. It's a parallel system, a parallel system. So the old system, which is over here, you know, bleeding money, people dry of money, uh, giving people only 10 minutes telling them they cannot ask, you know, questions about something they didn't come in for, you know, telling them they can't see a doctor, they have to see a non-physician, you know, all of these things that make people feel how impersonal and unaffordable uh, care has become today. We are building a parallel system where it will be cash-based because you'll also have insurance that pays you cash to pay them, right? But you'll bring back the affordability, the confidentiality, you won't have You'll feel safe actually talking about what you need to talk because it's not going to go outside those four walls without your consent. Um, and it'll be bring back the patient-doctor relationship. It'll make the doctors happy. 
I was talking to a doctor recently, and I said, I know that the doctors feel downtrodden. And he, and he was just looking at me sort of lethargic, like, yes, you know, as far as he's concerned, United Health Group is going to take over the entire uh, country. And, and I'm like, no, we're going to stop them. And so we're building the parallel system, and the wedge of health freedom is where everybody's going to be able to come to find out who's in there, and then gradually more and more doctors and, as I said, hospitals. And I will, I'll just add here that the hospitals, I think that your listeners might be thinking, how on earth hospitals, um, and how would I even pay them with cash? Well, one, you'll have real insurance, but two, their prices won't be anything close to what the cash, the master charge prices today, the charge master prices today. Um, and um, we have doctors who have been ousted because they tried to give ivermectin or they refused to take the injection, and they themselves are talking about independent cash-based hospitals. They want to build them. So, you know, we're not going to build them as an organization, but we're going to show you where to find them when they do get built. So this is a movement that has to take place just like um, homeschooling, right? Just like that, a parallel system, because we need it to protect the ethics of of medicine. We need it to protect the patient-doctor relationship, the confidentiality. Every patient needs to actually tell the full story without fear. Right. These are all the things that are necessary for good medicine. And this is what every doctor wants, and this is what every patient wants. They want a doctor who works for them, and the doctor doesn't want outsiders telling them what they can and cannot do for a patient. That's where we are today, but that's why the wedge is so important, and that's why the new framework, the parallel system, is so important. How can our listeners get more information? They can go to jointhewedge.com. That's where they can find the wedge jointhewedge.com, and we continue to build and just add doctor after doctor after practice uh, to the wedge. Again, jointhewedge.com. Twyla, there has been a number of recent reports, studies, statements as it pertains to the COVID shot. Uh, Just yesterday, uh, lifesightnews.com ran a story of Retsov Levi. This is a professor of operations management at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, uh, also a drug safety analytics expert, over 30 years of expertise. But he came out issuing a strong warning against the continued use of the mRNA COVID-19 shots explaining that it's his strong conviction that all such vaccination programs should be stopped. And here's what he said, and I quote, he said they should stop because they completely failed to fulfill any of their advertised promise regarding efficacy. And more importantly, they should stop because of the mounting and this indisputable evidence that they can cause an unprecedented level of harm, including the death of young people and children, end of quote. So here we have an MIT professor saying, stop these shots immediately. Yes, and and so it just blows your mind, does it not, the universities that are, are requiring it. So some of the things that I think your listeners, you know, probably don't even know about the shot. So I mentioned before the two studies that talk about how it increases your risk of getting COVID-19. And so therefore, you should be more, you should be prepared to treat yourself early for COVID-19, as in our uh, COVID-19 quick reference guide, which gives you uh, ways that you can do that in places that you can look to get what you need. But in addition to that, this whole idea of the messenger RNA. So there, they never did messenger RNA before, and they, they didn't really have any human trials for it. What is happening around the globe is the human trial. This is the clinical trial, and anybody who didn't take it is the control group. And so you can see the difference. There are so many ways to look at what the harm is happening, but I think that one of the things that your people have probably never heard are the concerns of pathologists and others who say that, you know, once you've taken the shot, what happens is that it uses your cells to make the spike protein. So it becomes a spike-generating factory, your own cells. And the spike is the toxic part of COVID-19. It's what causes the clots. It's what causes the inflammation. Uh, so all of that, your body is actually creating that. And and what these pathologists are saying is, uh, and even uh, Dr. Tess Laurie, she has said it too, uh, and she's a, a researcher for the World Health Organization. She's uh, in England. And she has said, along with these pathologists, that you 
You have no, you can't control where, where the messenger RNA goes. You can't control where the spike goes. You can't, you don't even know when does it stop producing spike protein. Nobody knows when it stops. This is the toxic substance. It doesn't just stay in your arm. It goes throughout your body. And one study, um, I don't know if it, well, within the last six months for sure, uh, shows that they found it. They found the spike protein even 15 months later. So nobody exactly knows what the spike protein is doing in somebody's body. And it's very likely, as you can see with those who get injured and those who don't, or at least we don't have any story from them yet that they're injured, right? Um, we, it's probably all about your physiological makeup, your DNA, you know, how things react. What batch did you get? That's, that's, that's another question one of these pathologists talked about is the difference in batches. Is one batch more toxic than the other? Because there's been a problem with quality control, according to this pathologist, uh, Robert Clancy. Um, yeah, and, and Clancy, Clancy said, and I, I quote from material from Citizens Council for Health Freedom, Clancy said, these aren't vaccines, they're basically gene products. It's basically genetic engineering. Uh, that's troubling. Yes, and he's not just any old pathologist. He was advising, he's an advisor on vaccines, so he understands vaccines um, very well. And so this is not something that the public has been told about. Uh, they've heard maybe genetic, but do they really understand what's happening in their cells and how that just because they got the shot, you know, um, 18 months ago or 12 months ago, is it still producing spike protein in them? Nobody knows. Yeah. Um, it's also very interesting that uh, there, and I saw the article on WND.com about doctors who are now saying that they're going to be refusing more COVID shots as well, that they have... Uh, uh, here's uh, Dr. Todd Lee, an infectious disease expert at McGill University, said on social media, he said, I have taken my last COVID vaccine without RCT evidence, level evidence. It will reduce my risk of severe illness. Uh, RCT is randomized clinical trials and considered an accurate way of assessing the effectiveness of various medical treatments. And Twiley, he's saying that and that unless there are such, uh, you know, evidence from these uh, from the RCT level, he said, I'm done taking these shots. I'm done taking these boosters. Yes. And so, you know, he's seen as well as others are seen, even like um, Dr. Asim Muhatra, who's a cardiologist and whose father was a cardiologist and whose father died very shortly after, I don't remember which shot it was, um, whether it was the first one, the second one, or the booster. That I don't remember. But anyway, that was the end of it for him because he knew his father was also a cardiologist, and his father didn't have any heart conditions. He suddenly had a, a massive heart attack, and he, and he died, or, or heart failure, and he died. And so, you know, he, he was a really gung-ho person for getting the COVID shot, and now he's everywhere talking about how we've got to stop it. We've got to stop it because there's clearly damage happening. And a lot of young people may or may not be being damaged, and we don't know, but it is interesting, is it not, that some of the high schools or is it the colleges or both? Anyway, they're actually saying that there should be a cardiac examination before they start school. I mean, before they start sports, right? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's never happened before. No, it hasn't. And we're going to pick up with this after the break, including also we're going to be airing a, a recent clip from Bill Gates on this as well about the COVID shot. And, uh, yeah, he's admitting they don't prevent infection and are not protecting vulnerable groups. We'll be back in just one minute. Twyla Braze is with us today, Citizens Council for Health Freedom, cchfreedom.org. We'll be right back. In Matthew chapters 24 and 25, Jesus gave his disciples a profound, detailed description of what would happen prior to his second coming. He then urged them to watch, because you do not know what hour your Lord will come. So what are we to watch for? In the book, Foreshadows, author Steve Miller explores 12 major trends that point toward the return of Christ. He writes about trends toward a one-world government, the struggle to build a united European empire, the spread of all invasive technology and surveillance, the progression to a one-world economy, and the proliferation of deception and more. 
Foreshadows will open your eyes to recognize the signs pointing to the end times while inspiring you to take hope in the knowledge God holds our world firmly in His control. The book Foreshadows is available for a donation of $12 or more by calling 1-800-729-9829. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Twyla Braze is with us today. She is the co-founder of Citizens Council for Health Freedom, a registered nurse, a certified public health nurse, author of the uh, eight-time award-winning book, Big Brother in the Exam Room, The Dangerous Truth About uh, Electronic Health Records. That's another whole issue, folks. Um, but let me, uh, Twyla, just before the break, we were talking about uh, young people, and I, I just, my heart just aches every time, every day I come in and I, I see another story. I uh, heard just within the last couple of days, 14-year-olds who are just collapsing of, of heart attacks, you know, from some sport or or those on the collegiate level. I mean, I've seen 14-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 18, 19, 20, young, young 20s just collapsing all of a sudden with cardiac. And, and here you're mentioning now they're talking about having uh, cardiac exams prior to people participating in sports. Has anybody suggested that there is a link between the shot and this cardiac failure? Well, actually, the CDC itself uh, has talked about the fact that myocarditis in young men uh, is one of the things that they have been finding. But it doesn't seem to have really impacted the fact that these universities are still trying to require a shot that doesn't work and a shot that can definitely harm. I mean, this is criminal. You know, it's it's criminal, and the thing is that people say, well, you know, people yeah, people die all the time. Well, we have. Do you remember the last time you saw this in the news? No, when this this started in 2021, we never saw all these kind of collapses. Saw them with our own eyes on the field or in videotapes. You know, saw the obituaries for these young people that were perfectly healthy until that moment. Right? Never happened before. What's the dif- What's the thing that changed? The thing that changed is the injection. And the CDCA has said, yep, myocarditis, pericarditis can be a problem. And they should never call it mild because once you've injured something in your heart, it doesn't, it doesn't uninjure, right? It doesn't just go back to normal. It is a damage that continues, whether it's a mild or or a smaller amount of damage or a larger amount of damage and how it will impact you for your life or early or right away You know, nobody knows. But the one thing I'm going to say about this is that the Epic Times put in a Freedom of Information Act request to the CDC, and they said, show us your analysis of the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. And the CDC themselves have a document which says that they use the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, otherwise called VAERS, so the VAERS system, they use that to look for unusual patterns or to look at new vaccines that have come out, et cetera, right? So when did the CDC first begin analyzing the VAR system that we've all been watching for, you know, for the last two years? They only started three days after they got the letter from the attorney reminding them about this Freedom of Information Act request. That was March twenty second, 2022. So 15 months after the shots began is the first time that they do a deep dive analysis of what is happening in the VAERS. And what they came up with was all sorts of safety signals, which means not that they're safe, but there's signs of trouble, signs of unsafety, of of not being safe. And so the top one, cardiovascular, there were more than 70,000 safety signals in VAERS. There's more than 50,000 neurological safety signals. And so there's all of this stuff that we all know about. We've been watching in openvares.com. We've been watching them pile up. And only now does the CDC do it when they're forced by a Freedom of Information Act no. uh, request. That is a crime. 
Twyla, at the same time, we are seeing the FDA continuing to push the annual COVID boosters. I mean, they're recommending Americans take annual COVID booster vaccines, much like flu shots. And then uh, just uh, well, last Friday, we received from the Child Protection League uh, action out of Minnesota, a new legislation that would require vaccine and COVID shots for babies and toddlers. Um, and and taking out like conscientious objections, things of that nature. I mean, it's it's troubling to see. Despite all, you know, we've got doctors warning: stop the shot, stop the shot. Uh, and 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 then you've got you know the FDA pushing this, and you've got legislators like in Minnesota that are pushing this. Yes, and it's true. And the FDA, you know, the, the FDA saying that they want to move to one shot a year, an annual shot. I thought it was actually humorous that they said that then you would be able to have the latest variant, you know, protection against the latest variant. Well, they can't do protection against any variant. They have yet to do protection against any variant because the variants move way faster than they can ever create a shot. And as it turns out now, as I said, the more shots you get, the more likely it is that you're going to get COVID-19. So how does this make any sense? Wednesday, January 25th, the uh, LifeSiteNews.com had this headline, Bill Gates admits COVID shots don't prevent infection, protect vulnerable groups. Bill Gates, uh, as they report, one of the most prominent financial sponsors of vaccine development and production, admitted that the COVID injections do not prevent infections, don't work against new variants, and therefore do not sufficiently protect the elderly. During a Monday interview, this is a week ago, it was hosted by Lowry Institute. They're an Australian think tank. Gates said that we also need to fix the three problems with vaccines. Let's listen to what he said. We also need to fix the three problems with vaccines. The current vaccines are not infection blocking. Uh, They're not broad. So when new variants come up, you lose protection. And they have very short duration, uh, particularly in the people who matter, which are old people. And every one of those things is is fixable. Uh, In fact, doing that work is going to help vaccinology very, very broadly. You know, we've, for example, the Gates Foundation, we have a malaria vaccine, but it only lasts for six months. And understanding, okay, how do we get the long-lived memory B cells in that case? It's very similar to figuring out how we make these COVID vaccines last longer. So this, fortunately, the rich world desire and the uh, uh, developing country desire is actually aligned in terms of what that R&D agenda should look like. So within, I'd say, a decade, we will have a tool set for respiratory pandemics that will be excellent. And so the one thing that still hangs in the balance is, will we have the global capacity and the regular practice at regional and country levels that would mean that when a threat comes up, we act in such a way that it doesn't go global? In other words, that there isn't a pandemic, because you only call it a pandemic after it gets out uh, in a, a widespread fashion. And Twyla, your response? <laughs> well, it's always kind of amusing to listen to Bill Gates talk and um, expound about what he thinks the future is, if you remember what he said about how these shots were going to work. So you can say anything that you want to say, you know, in the beginning and, you know, say that it's going to do this and it's going to do that. Well, you know, this is his agenda. The shot that we're dealing with now is his agenda. He's absolutely correct about they don't block. Uh, they're not actually even vaccines. You know, they changed the defini- definition of vaccines. So short duration studies show that, that if you're, there is any protection, it's like wanes very quickly. But, you know, one thing that I would say, in addition to all of what he's saying, which shows you the problem with the vaccine that we have today, which, again, is not a vaccine. But there was an amazing study, and I think it really talks about um, what's happening perhaps in the body. So if you take two people, one of them who has gotten the shot and one of them who has not gotten the shot, and then both of them get COVID, and then you look afterwards into their blood and you see what has happened with the antibodies against the COVID, right? Mm -hmm. And so... In those who had gotten the shot, only 40% of them created antibodies. Only 40% of those people got antibodies against COVID. But in those who had not gotten the shot and then they got COVID, 
their body, 93% of them got antibodies. So then I think the question you have to ask is, is the COVID shot doing something with the immune system, you know, to sort of dismantle or disable or, you know, encumber somehow the immune system so that it doesn't respond like the immune system should, because the immune system is really like those 93% of those people who had never gotten the shot. They got antibodies as soon as they got the virus, right? That's how it should work. To have half of that, actually even less than half of that in the other group, you know, shows that there's a problem, I think, perhaps with what it does with the immune system. Well, Twyla, I've got so many topics here, and the clock is going faster than we are. But let me just bring up one more issue with you here today, and it's the uh, Project Veritas. Uh, has They do undercover work and uh, uh, with uh, with cameras and so forth and, and capture. Uh, they they expose, for instance, what was happening uh, in, uh, in, in so many different situations. But let's get right to the point with this one, uh, the undercover video. Uh, in which they're dealing with an executive from Pfizer uh, who they're saying the, the the Pfizer executive talking about how they use they didn't, they didn't want to use the term gain of function, but that's exactly what he was talking about and 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 uh, recorded all of this. And then when confronted with it, went ballistic. Uh, uh, we've got just uh, less than three minutes before the break. Cover what you'd like to say about this uh, this undercover video from Project Veritas. It was interesting to listen to it before we got to the part where he just threw a fit in the in the restaurant, right, and, and yeah. started to crash and smash things. And I was listening to it, going, "Is he really saying what he is saying that the um, that Pfizer is going to manipulate the virus itself to prepare for the next variant? So that essentially, that they were going to create their own variants and then create uh, a vaccine against the variant." And, and I, I, it almost seems like too ridiculous to, to think that they would really do. But then he actually cautioned the listener who was, you know, taping this whole thing unbeknownst to him. He said, you know, don't tell. Don't tell anybody that because nobody would like to know. No Americans would like to know that we were manipulating, right, yep. the virus. So it seemed real, and yet it seemed unreal. Yeah, and and then when exposed, just went ballistic, just saying, "No, I'm only telling fibs, etc." Uh, Pfizer is now denying that they are conducting COVID gain of research uh, in in uh, their response to this uh, Veritas video. Pretty amazing to see this unfold. Friends, we're going to open our phone lines. I realize time is short, but we'll take what calls, what questions that you have for our guest today. Twyla Braze, again, the website, cchfreedom.org. Our phone number to Crosstalk, 1-800-733-9829. Taking your questions or your brief comments today. But uh, keep in mind that even the World Health Organization right now is uh, the the head uh, Gabreas is warning people that telling the world keep getting vaccinated, keep getting boosted, use antivirals, and heed directions from the Switzerland-based instrumental. He's saying that uh, don't don't uh, succumb to this pandemic fatigue and get vaccinated. Yet from the Epic Times, and we read another story too from WND.com, we've got a growing number of doctors saying, "Hey, we're done with this. We're not going to get any." more COVID-19 vaccine boosters saying there is a lack of clinical trial evidence. Twyla, that's what you have been touting and others have been touting for a long time. There's no evidence. It was known from the very beginning, which is why they got emergency use authorization. They've never actually been approved. FDA has never yet approved any shot, COVID shot that's out there, except there is one over in Europe. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back to your phone calls. So friends who are on hold right now, our lines are packed. Make sure when you when we put you on air, you get right to the point with, with your, your question or your comment so that we can serve as many listeners as possible today. So fo- folks, uh, stay with us. We'll be back in just one minute. This is Crosstalk coming your way from VCY America. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Last week on my radio show, I did a monologue in which I took the founding fathers and early presidents of the United States on a tour of Washington, D.C. They were stunned at all the humongous buildings. They asked, what are these buildings for? Who works in these buildings? 
I explained to them the Department of Education. They were stunned that we had turned the education of our children over to a central government that today includes cultural Marxism and LGBTQI agenda. They were stunned. Then I showed them the Eternal Revenue Service. They couldn't believe we had a standing IRS that taxed people, well, during a time of non-war and that it was based on a progressive system that penalized workers and achievers. They were further shocked by HUD, Housing and Urban Development, to think that the bounds of government had gone to private housing in the states. They wondered why the states had not rebelled and instituted their Tenth Amendment vigorously. They were appalled at what Washington had become and the people being enslaved. I'm Brandon House. Listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Twyla Braze is with us here today. Again, uh, cchfreedom.org and uh, jointhewedge.com. Let's go right to the phone lines. Uh, Duluth, Minnesota. Marcy, thanks for calling Crosstalk. You're on the air. Hi. Thanks, Jim and, and Twyla. This will be a little difficult, but I have a 23 year old granddaughter who took the vaccination because she was working with the Boys and Girls Club here. She started having ticks, she called it. So she goes to the doctor, and she's, she assumes that's what it was from and said, so, oh, no, it's not the problem. They gave her a second shot. She can't walk anymore. Mm. She's in bed, sleeping during the day and awake at night. And I'd like to know if there's anyone that I could contact to help her out. Yeah, let me answer that quickly. So um, go to FLCCC, that's three C's, FLCCC.net, and you can do two things. One, they have a list of providers, so you can pick one. And two, they have a list of protocols, and one of those is the vaccine injury protocol. These are physicians. This is the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, and it's physicians. And so they've created these protocols, so go there. There's also uh, Dr. Bruce Patterson, who is working to uh, help people who are both vaccine-injured and COVID-injured. There are a variety of resources you, uh, for you, and but start with flccc.net because they look at their providers and protocols. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Marcy. And we're so sorry to hear the story that you had to share with us. Laval, Wisconsin. Joe, you're on the air. Hello, Miss Brace. My mother is a huge fan of yours, and she always cranks up the radio when your Health Freedom Minute plays on BCY America. Now, my question for you, Twyla, is when you check into a lot of hospitals and clinics, such as the, the Mayo Clinic, they have a lot of lifestyle questions. I mean, you can decline to answer them if you want, but I was wondering, uh, to what extent have you seen these lifestyle questions tailored to try to predict risk of COVID uh, transmission? Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Well, I think there's a, a, several quick things I can say about that. Is Mayo Clinic has a new initiative called Gather, and they say and they have said that they want to gather the medical records of everyone in the world. So they are uh, happily busy um, building dossiers on people who come. So I would take care to only answer the questions that are specific to your visit, whether that's for COVID or for anything else, and then take great care with their consent form, which has all sorts of things in it in the middle. Uh, and you can cross out a whole bunch of those that you don't want them to share, how you don't want them to share your information. So you never have to do these questionnaires. And if you get an iPad or, you know, some kind of, you know, um, computerized notebook that they give you, which <laughs> happened to me just recently, you can tell them, give me the paper form so I can cross out what I don't want to. And that's what you have to require even if they say, well, I'll have to get a manager. You say, good, just give me the paper form so I can decide what I want to and what I don't want to answer rather than all of your questions. Thank you for the call. We've got uh, Beth next in West Dallas. Beth, you're on the air. Yes, Twyla, I have to ask you, um, do you know anything about the annual flu shots that people take? Have they been chemically altered as well as the routine child um, vaccines that people give their children? So I think there has been a lot of people who have now started to look twice or three times at the, uh, the vaccines that they're used to giving. And I always encourage people to go to the 
National Vaccine Information Center, National Vaccine Information Center, um, which was started by somebody who had a vaccine-injured child. Yeah, Barbara and Lowe so they Fisher. they had the best information. Yeah, Barbara Lowe Fisher, she's been with us frequently yes. on Crosstalk. You're... Yes, that's correct. NVIC.org um, on, on what they're actually putting into the vaccines, Twyla? Yes, and all sorts of things about the vaccines. You know, what's in there, what they're made of, do they have fetal cells, do they have this, do they have that, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. Thank you, Beth. Anne in Sherwood, you're on the air. Yes, a quick question. Um, what would happen if a person that has not been vaccinated and needs blood, like, say, for an emergency or something, and has blood from a vaccinated person, how does that affect that person that has not been vaccinated? I think the answer to this is yet to be determined. It's interesting because Dr. Risia Pretorius, who is the head of a department in South Africa, whose study is all on blood, has come up with a new procedure for finding microclots in blood and has said that anybody who has gotten COVID, they have not ever failed to find microclots. She actually came in the days before Thanksgiving to Yale, um, two other places, Yale, Harvard, and uh, one other place to teach them how to find microclots in the blood. So, um, so I don't think we know yet. I, I think we don't yet know. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for the call. And uh, let's see, we've got Rick next. Hi, Rick, you're on the air. Hi, Twelve. I was just wondering, I'm going in for a procedure in a few weeks. Um, I'll be put under. There's no way they would give me the jab while I was under, would they? I don't have to worry about that, do I? I, I would doubt it, but... That, that would be really reprehensible to do any such thing like that because they'd have to get your consent for medical procedures. But you can talk to your doctor specifically about that, and you can even get a statement signed by your doctor or someone that will, they'd actually have to, that would, you know, calm your mind, I think. Okay, thank you so much. Great. Thank you for your call here today. And time is not going to permit any further phone calls. Uh, but, Twyla, sometimes all of this information seems so overwhelming. Uh, you uh, are regularly posting updates and information on your website, and it would really be wise for people to stay plugged in, even through releases that you put forth from CCH Freedom. Yes, that and uh, going to cchfreedom.org. Uh, looking at our Health Freedom Minute, which is the most timely things, and then getting on our Facebook page, and because I do Facebook Live videos every once in a while about these different things. Again, uh, the gateway uh, for this information, cchfreedom.org. Uh, if you go there, you'll also see information about uh, jointhewedge.com and some of the other information as well. Uh, Twyla, as we look down the road here, the, the, the pandemic's about to be over here. Are you optimistic where our country is heading at this point? I'm so glad that the House of Representatives is not the same party as everybody else. And I'm very glad about some of the states that are standing up and putting in things like, you know, letting doctors uh, uh, prescribe off-label without retribution. There are reasons. There are reasons for hope around the country. Twyla Bray is with us today, cchfreedom.org. Twyla, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, Jim. Friends, thanks for stopping by each weekday afternoon at this same time and listening to Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.